Happy Monday and welcome back to the final full week of the Airport Minute where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie Airport. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli, and today uh, we have an incredible guest, uh, an actual cast member from the film, Mr. Peter Coakley himself, Mr. John Findlater, and thank you so much for doing this. Hey guys, thanks a lot. This this is Olympus for us. We are just uh, so excited. Uh, we've talked about you all all well-meaning things that we've been saying on the, on this show. Well, you're the only weeks. ones. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we are we well, are Peter Coakley fans. I, I, I'd love to ask first of all. You know how how did you land this gig? Was it you know just your agent sent you out on a call, or how did it come about? Uh, well, there were many reasons. Uh, I had met George Seaton before on another project, and I guess he liked me. I was not much went on. I didn't get the project. I just auditioned for it. I don't remember what it was actually, and so apparently he called me in, and. My agent was also Dean Martin's agent, and I think uh, Gene Seberg's agent. So that didn't hurt to have that. So I went, went on, on an audition, and uh, Ross Hunter and um, Jock Mapes, who are great guys, they were the producers. You remember them? Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so um, they seemed to like what I did. They were the bosses and George Seaton. So uh, I auditioned. And I got the job. I had I'd done a movie that somebody saw or something. I don't remember what it was. Wow. Now, I, I, you, I mean, you were just coming off of uh, Peyton Place, right? You were, you were a feature player on, on Peyton Place, so I, I would think that you'd be familiar to audiences at the time. Well, you are correct. I did just come off of that. You've done your homework, that's for sure. I'm almost forgetting this stuff myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And what uh, were your impressions of, 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 of making the film, of, of Lancaster and, and, and Dean and Gene? Oh, well, it, it, for me, it was three months. Mm -hmm. So uh, I loved every minute of it. Because there were such big stars on there, they worked around their schedules. So therefore, rather than them that worked three weeks or a month, when they were doing something I wasn't in, then I had to be paid. So I ended up being on for three months, even though I wasn't working sometimes. And George Seaton wow. was, I have many stories about George and we became great pals. And because I was on three months, I, I went on some commercial auditions, which I made a lot of commercials in my life. And it really was a, a, a moneymaker for me. Mm. So I got a commercial during that three months because there were days I didn't work. And I got called for that day. I, had, I was going to work on airport. I thought, oh, no. Oh, gee, I, I've had all these days off, and now I get a paying job. So I called George Seaton, and I told him, I said, here's the situation. I got this other little one-day job. He says, well, you know, you're under contract to me. And I said, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but I just, I, I just thought, as long as I'm making some extra money, that, uh, that I'd like to get the time off. He says, well, okay, I'm going to rearrange the schedule. You're off. So I thought that was pretty good of him. Wow. Wow. That, but that, we, that's incredible. Yeah, we had had a rapport on set long before that. 
And then we had talked on the phone once after that, and I thought that was really great of him. And we got along great for many reasons, uh, not the least of which was when I started working, I'm a big fan of W.C. Fields. Mm. And George Seaton had worked on W.C. Fields' movies. Wow. Wow. And he started telling me these stories, and I, I guess he, he didn't have anybody else to talk to about. We just started talking, and I was very appreciative of it. And he began to tell me all these W.C. Fields stories, which, I mean, I was in heaven. He wanted to tell them. Oh. So we ended up on our time on set. And as you guys probably know, there's a lot of off time mm-hmm. where they're lighting, etc. So, so he used to tell those stories. So we, we, see, we have, had a report during that. And then I was about to say, if you remember, but apparently you guys know the film better than me. If you remember the scene <laughs> in the... Uh, in the uh, office where it's just myself and Dean Martin and Gene Seberg and Helen Hayes. Uh, do you remember that scene? Oh, with, with uh, Bert, you mean? With, with Bert and Gene. It's in the office when they catch yeah. Helen Hayes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, and, and I bring her into the office. Right. Well, she, Helen Hayes was terrib- terribly nervous, and she was having a hard time. Why she was nervous over that, I don't know. But I'd always been humorous on the film. Everybody thought I was funny. We had a good time and we screwed around and played and everybody thought that, that I was good. So George came up to me like at the back of the set. He said, look, do me a favor. He says, go talk to Helen, ease her up, you know, get her confident, get her relaxed. And because we're having trouble here getting the shot because she's up, uptight, as it were. And remember, she's the first lady of the American theater. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. She, so, she's got Broadway theaters named after her. So it's- Yeah. So I thought, well, if she was uptight, think how uptight I must be, you know, being in the business a couple of years. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I went and did that. And it's whatever I did, it was just off the cuff. So I don't really have a lot of memories of what I did or what I said or anything like that. But apparently it worked. And she calmed down, and uh, George was real excited about it. So anyway, we did the scene. And I believe because of the, the nervousness and everything, I, th- I believe that scene took three days. Mm-hmm. For a very simple five-minute scene, I think it took three days. And, and you know, you get a close-up of everybody, and, yeah. and you get a full shot of all of us, and then you get a full shot of three of us mm-hmm. and all that. And then uh, so it, it, it took a while to do. I think it was three days, but again... Uh, don't don't quote me. Well, we, we were we were doing. I think we did about two weeks of uh, of episodes just in that one that we call it the fireplace room because there's just a fireplace at an at an airport. So it was, uh, it, uh, it was it, there was a lot of blocking on that whole thing. Like you were saying with the isolated shots, there'd be uh, over the shoulder shots from Gene Seberg's point of view, from your point of view, I, and you had a you had a single shot where you were up against the door uh, asking questions of Helen Hayes. So there was definitely a lot of camera positioning. Uh, yeah, I, I, you sent me some airport minutes, so that was on one of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And I think you saw the one we, we did a kind of a promo piece for uh, one where we had taken your your scene and had set it to disco music and put in some. Uh, yeah, I not only got that, but I put it on disc. <laughs> so so I would have it here at the house in case I died. My daughter would be able to see what a goofball I was. Um, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you a question it, about Sure. Uh, my daughter already thinks I'm a goofball. So <laughs> that was just part and parcel to it. it. It wasn't the thing that turned her around. But uh, we all did have a question. 
uh, I had an interpretation that I told my wife it was, but, and so what was your, I mean, what was your meaning for, for it? I, I took the interpretation about, if I remember correctly, Gene Seberg was in love with me and ah. crazy about me. That's the way I took it. <laughs> well, but, that's, but that's no, the best way to take it. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody, everybody else I, I talked to, she says, well, where do you talk to the guys? Cause that's not it. Yeah, no, it's we we have it's a Peter Coakley fan club here. We we just we just enjoy the characters so much. It's uh, you you get to play such a beat dog in this movie. You're always optimistic, and yet it's there's somebody like Clark Howard does the thing where he's asking if you had two heads or um, right. And you know, it's just that was your that is a, it was a tough role to do because you always had to have that you know that smiling face and then just getting the hangdog look right afterwards. And it's just, uh, I think we, we can all identify with your character more than anybody else in that movie. Oh. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the way the world works. But uh, yeah, that, that's, that was the intention of that, uh, of, of that little promo. But it, it really, uh, it, it's, uh, it's just, it's so fantastic. I can't tell you how, how happy I am to talk to you about this movie. We've got a million questions about. Um, now, there was the, uh, the stuff that you did at Universal Studios, and then you had to go to the location shoot up at uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, how, how was that? How was that time when you were up in Minnesota in the middle of the winter? For me, being a yeah. young, young kid, uh, every minute of it was fantastic. And do you want to know why? Sure. All right. Well, first of all, when you saw the uh, big night, uh, you know, we, only work, we only worked at night. You know, the whole, the whole movie took place at night, so we sure. only worked at night. And the, the scene that was the crux of the movie, the second, the first crux, there's two of them, the bomb, when the plane goes into the mud. And mm-hmm. yeah. the, the, pro, the reason they went there was for the snow. And, and so there just wasn't hardly any. So the, the snow you saw in that scene that made it so horrible that the guy didn't have great vision or whatever it was, was all pi- pumped in. Right, and they had giant. You probably know all this stuff, but they they had giant hoses up above, and it was dropping it down. It was a great scene, but anyhow, it was always at night. So Helen and I, which were had rooms nearby each other in the hotel, uh, spent the day together every day because there was nothing for us to do till our scenes came on that night. So, um, uh, so when you say did I have fun? Well. Hanging around and having lunch with Helen Hayes every day isn't bad. Wow. And then she wanted to go see a movie called Shoes of the Fisherman. I don't know if you remember it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's uh, Anthony Quinn. Anthony, That's yeah. correct. Anthony Quinn, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah and they actually used the, uh, the music that was going to be used in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, Kubrick didn't want it, so they repurposed the music. Uh, so when you're watching Shoes of the Fisherman, you're hearing the 2001, uh, the actual music they would have used instead of the stuff that they did. Oh, well, I did not know that. Plus, I saw 1969, <laughs> so I, I don't remember. But you're right. It was Anthony Quinn, John Gielgud, and Laurence Olivier. Yes. So one of us decides to go see that movie. As one thing we, we did each day. Each day we had to find something to do, walk or go to lunch or something, sightsee. So she wanted to go to this movie, I think. So we went to the movie. And we're sitting there with these three guys, the probably the best actors around. I mean, Laurence Olivier, for God's sakes, and yeah. and um, John Gielgud. So we're sitting there next to Helen, and Helen goes, she's nudging me. She says, ah, look at Johnny. Look how great he looks. She said, <laughs> um, and Larry, my God, Larry's so magnificent. 
See, I've never seen it. That's Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never seen him that way. Oh my God, Tony's in this. Oh my God. Oh, this is in. These are my three friends, and they're all in this movie. And and I just, I've got some stories for you. And then later on, we went to lunch or something. She told me stories, but I thought that was pretty good. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's worth a winter a winter day in Minnesota. <laughs> oh, I, all my days were good. I enjoyed every day at the show. And and being a dope, I think I heard one of your podcasts, and one of you guys said, uh, "Oh, this guy plays a." I don't even think you said plays. He said, "Oh, this guy's a real dope," or something. And oh, that I must thought, have been one of our that guests. must have been one of the guests that we can't yeah. control. Oh well, wh- whoever they were, yeah. they were very astute. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you, it was it was an amazing time. I, the, the big question that we have: there's a scene that you do in the middle of the terminal where it's uh, you and Helen Hayes, and uh, it's where she starts uh, doing her uh, uh, fainting act. And as you get up to, you say, "I'm going to go get help." She reaches up and grabs you both hands and yanks you back into the chair. Was that in the script, or did you guys work it out while you were uh, on the set? Do you remember? It was in the script. It was in the script. Okay. And I love that scene, uh, by the way. I mean, that was what I mean. I every night for me was great, but that was a great thing. I love that, you know. And I thought about about doing this scene and what I was going to do. And I thought I'd be sort of a. I decided to be sort of a rag doll in it, and just yeah. when she yanked me, it was like she was Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you, you just you just come flying back to the to the chair, yeah. and it was it was just a beautiful scene. And I was yeah, I was and a big I've guy, seen, and she was a frail little old lady. So I thought it would be funny mm-hmm. if I just went flying back into the seat. So I remember that scene, and I remember thinking about it a lot, what I would do, and that's what I came up with. Yeah, it, it really it was it was perfect. I, I've seen the movie in theaters. They have it on revivals every once in a while, and every time that that scene comes through, it just gets the greatest laugh. It's uh it's such a, a wonderful piece. Um, well, well, you live in my area, right? I do. Wa- I do. Yeah, I live in the, in the Hollywood Hills. All right. Well, they had a revival a couple of years ago at the Egyptian Theater. Um, it's part of their American Cinematique or something. Right. And so uh, I went, mm-hmm. and I saw it with my wife and my daughter, and my daughter had never seen me in 90 millimeter. Wow. wow. I'd sort of retired by the time she was born. She's 19. So uh, the first time was, and, and stop me if I'm going on too long, the no, no, Academy no. of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the Academy Award people, mm-hmm. yeah, called me up. And the minute they said who they were, I thought, well, finally, I'm getting the recognition <laughs> I deserve. <laughs> but But they had a program every week, a a subscription program, where people would come and pay for it, and they would go in order, starting back at Wings, the first movie ever made. They would they would start, and they would and they would uh, show them all all Academy Award winners, all Academy Award winners, Mm -hmm. till the very end, whatever it was in that in that day. And then they decided they would do like also Renz, the ones that got the second amount of votes. Mm. So airport that year, and I, I forget what won, maybe Fiddler on the Roof, I'm not oh. sure. But airport that year apparently was up for something. Uh, Helen Hayes won that mm-hmm. Academy Award yeah. for that year, which I take full credit for. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you were you were definitely. She needed a straight man to work against, and you were just ideal for that. I think uh, Patton Patton beat you guys for uh, for best picture. Oh, Patton. Yeah. Really the, All right. I mean, you uh, still you still made a hundred million dollars, so I think that's okay. <laughs> that's pretty okay from the box office point of view. Yeah. Well, I didn't get any uh, of that. <laughs> but um, but in three months, I I did well, and so a- anyway, I I went to the 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 academy academy had a showing. And they showed the movie in in uh, seventy millimeter as it was meant to be. It was the first time my daughter saw it in seventy millimeter. And then they had a dais, and we whoever was still alive went up and talked. The only the only three actors that were on were Lou Wagner. Do you remember right, Lou Skyler. Wagner? Right, Skyler. He was the, uh, the the kid with the glasses. So. The obnoxious kid. Myself right. and, J- and Jacqueline Bissett. And uh, they had other other people on. They had. Uh, Paul Paterny's brother. They had Burt Lancaster's wife. Uh huh. And anyway, I don't remember who, but that that's who they had. And then we talked about the movie to these uh, uh, movie aficionados that wanted to ask questions of us. So uh, you mentioned revivals. I did. I did see it there, and I did see it at the Egyptian a couple of years ago. Yeah, wow. It's, uh, it, and it it still holds up. I mean, every every I know so many people in the aviation industry, and they look at this movie and say, "This is still the way things happen." It's I know it's a melodrama and things like that, but there's so much realism, so much uh, so much attention to detail that you feel like there really is a transglobal airline somewhere, and that these people really work there. Um, well, and, jo- I mean, George, our, la- our last. I was going to say our last guest was an air traffic controller, and he said all those scenes were really, really realistic. Well, that was the thing. um, uh, First of all, George Seaton kept that thing together like a watch. And the producers wanted it to be perfect. For example, and again, I always feel like I'm telling you guys something you already know. In the airplane, rather than hire extras, he hired actors. So everyone, whether they had a line or they sat there or they were scared, they were all actors, not extras. And uh, Ross Hunter, that I think that was his idea. I'm not sure. But so between Ross and George, um, it was, detail was, was amazing. And when the movie, all right, when the movie premiered or had a showing, you know, where people sit around and you get there, their reaction. It's, it wasn't really a premiere. It was in Minneapolis. And after the show, George Seaton called me. And this is how meticulous he is. He called me on the phone. He told me, we just had a screening for it. We wanted to see how people did it. And he said, either the only or the biggest laugh was when you picked up the phone backwards, upside down. <laughs> Do you remember that part? Ah, yes, yes. Was that intentional? That was my idea. That was a great, great. Was it? That was, a- you know, I said to him, I said, look, I've got this idea that I'm going to pick up like it because I'm just a dope. Pick the phone upside, upside down. <laughs> and George Seaton said, he said, hmm. He said, I'll tell you what. We'll do it both ways. All right. And then we'll see what reaction it gets. So because we talked about it and he gave me that break, uh, he called me to tell me that it got a big laugh or the only laugh. So, so, um, I thought that was uh, how meticulous he really was. He really figured out everything, and he was a nice guy. So, uh, anyhow, I think that was a that was a great story. 
that I thought you might enjoy. Oh, sure. oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I I thought that was just how it happened. You grabbed it and you had to compensate. But that's that's really really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I just sort of made made it up because I thought it was funny. And and when um, talk about meticulous when we had the um, and stop me if you hear these stories. You talk to other people when we had the rap party. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and everybody gets together. Uh, we had it in the in partially. We had it on the sound stage. We had it partially on the plane. Oh, wow! And that plane, the, the interiors of that plane, was a, 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 taken from a real airplane, but it was sawed in half and it was it was made larger so the camera would fit down the aisle. Right. Yeah. They just replaced and, the floor part and then. Right. And and did you know all this already? No, 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 no. I, uh, no. There were just some some things that we had heard about how they may have done this, but you you're confirming all these things that are yeah, you're there. Kind of you were moving. there. Oh well, yeah. Well, this is for the interiors. Yeah. And so uh, they had their party on there, and it was, and Ross Hunter, who was the classiest guy in the world, had it catered by Chasen's. Ah. Uh, and Maude Chasen was there because she was friends with Ross Hunter, so. Um, she was supervising all the food. You know, it's like having Wolfgang Puck. So yeah. I went to, I went to a party about a year and a half ago, and it, it was catered by Wolfgang Puck, and he was there. Yeah. And, and Maude Chasen was there, and she was supervising the party, which I thought was great. And again, I don't know much how much time you have, but I have some stories going into the party. All the time. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Believe me. Oh. Actually, w- right. why don't we do this? Why don't do this? This is the end of one episode here. We're we're gonna kind of skip the minutes. Let me just finish the episode here, and people can join us here tomorrow on the Airport Minute, where we can hear more from Mr. Peter Coakley himself, John Finlater. So please uh, check us out online, airportminute.com, or on Twitter, Airport Minute, Facebook, Airport Minute, or the Airport Minute Commanders Club. We will continue this tomorrow, Tuesday, on the Airport Minute. So please join us here. Uh, you're coming into the last week. So thanks again for listening, and until tomorrow, good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. <laughs>